0: You're mine now, Skywalker.
1: That's pretty good. You sound like James Earl Jones a little more than uh, Darth Vader, but it's the same guy, so it's pretty good. (laughs)
0: to the Monster Lore Tour Paranormal Deep Dives from the Edge of Nowhere podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Carr, here along with my co-host and the Rick to my Morty, Mr. Matt O'Zero, a.k.a. The Moz. How are we doing today, Moz?
1: No complaints. Sweet, sweet. You got to be Rick,
0: just because it has to be said that way. I'm okay with that. Everybody wants to be Rick, but... You know, you can't say Morty to my Rick. It just doesn't sound right because it's Rick and Morty.
1: So I lucked out just because of the, you know. That's the only reason you won that one. All
0: right. I'll take it. All right. Let's jump into some old business. We're here on part two of this UAP Thought Experiment episode in part one, which we actually just recorded a little while ago. We're doing two in the same day again. And uh, one other point of old business where we get into it. I did forget to give a Mad Cujo's award. Yeah. in the first episode. I dropped the ball on that one. And I did have someone in mind for that. The slobbery ball. You dropped the slobbery. I dropped the big, one. wet slobbery ball for Mad Cujos. Uh, I have way too clear of a picture of <laughs> that in my head right now. Uh, But yes, the Mad Cujos Award, I'm just going to give it for this entire two-part saga. I'm going to give it to Captain David Fravor, the pilot nice. who... Uh, played a little chicken, chicken with the tic tac The mirror. Mirroring. That's that's some badass maneuvers in his jet there. So I'm going to present him with the UAP Mad Cujos Award. <laughs> ah boy! Yay. All right. Uh anything else you want to add before we really start getting going on part two of our thought experiment here. No, I'm also? ready
1: to rock and roll. All
0: right. Uh I do have one other thing before we jump back in, just uh mandatory disclaimer here. Be- if you like what you hear in this episode, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash monsterloretour. Get the website at monsterloretour.com. Members' area will lead you back to the Patreon there. Any support is most appreciated. We need to start turning this into something so we can start buying all these books we want and uh, potentially making some merch and things like that. We got some t shirt ideas already that we want to do. Every membership helps keep this going. Hopefully it keeps making us better, so uh, check it out if you can, and let's get into it. So in part one, we covered the UAP encounters with the Nimitz and the Theodore Roosevelt battle groups. Then we got into the concept and dynamics of field propulsion, a.k.a. gravity propulsion or anti-gravity propulsion, as we mentioned as well. That's where we begin again. So to get deeper into this field propulsion concept... Uh, I'm going to turn to the closest thing, as far as I can tell, that we have to a known expert on the potential existence of this sort of propulsion system.
1: Thank you for that introduction, Jeremy. (laughs) Mr. Matt Ozero, everybody. (laughs) Third should be 20 seconds. Back to you.
0: (laughs) Uh, No, his name's not quite that odd, but it does have a Z in it. It's Mr. Bob Lazar. Ah, From The Price is Right. We were just talking about The Price is Right. Uh, no, that was, uh, Bob, uh, Barker. (laughs) Barker. There you go.
1: Drew Carey. Okay. Yeah, Drew Carey. No, Mr. Area 51 you're talking about, right?
0: Mr. Bob Lazar. It's actually S2, but we're going to get into that now. So this guy, for those who don't know, again, some of you might, because this is a history lesson still for part of this. Well, Back
1: in my day, it was called Area
0: 51. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll get into it. There is a distinction. But this guy's story is pretty interesting. Uh, he, he really might be a a whole episode later on on his own, but he's very relevant to this. So we're going to get into him a bit. One thing to know is the Bob Lazar story is pretty hazy at best. He claims a past that he can't really prove and a lot of people call him a con man, but a lot of people believe his past has been erased by the government to discredit him and say there is actually good reason to believe his story also. So there's two sides of that coin. But he's a very well informed, and guy. he really he's definitely sound, knows yeah. what he's doing. And there yeah. is some record of some of this that we like the earlier stuff that we know happened. So yeah, it's, it's I'm not going to judge it one way or the other fully yet. If you want to know more, you can go down a big long wormhole on the subject of Bob Lazar. Figure out what you think of him. But for the sake of this thought experiment, we're going to take him at his word. Okay. So for those unfamiliar, a little background. Bob Lazar was a supposed graduate of MIT. I don't know why I said was. Is a supposed graduate of MIT. Got noticed by the scientific community in 1982. Now this stuff we can prove. When he was working at Los Alamos National Labs as a physicist. When he converted his little Honda to run on a jet engine that could go 200 miles per hour. Had a little 80... Maybe even late 70s Honda. Because it was a Honda, you could drive it all year at 200 miles an hour. which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, in Los Alamos, <laughs> sure. But uh, he is basically a world expert on propulsion systems, and his role in the scientific community got him a job at Section S4. I think I said S2 earlier. S4, which is the actual place people are thinking of when they think of Area, Area 51. 51. Right. This is the place where they keep all the crashed UFOs. UAPs. I'm sorry. (laughs) I should probably use UAP for this since it's in the title. Bob Lazar claims to have worked on alien technology, specifically alien craft, that worked on some kind of propulsion that all the scientists of the government could muster could not figure out or identify. Mr. Lazar reports not only having seen numerous alien craft at the S-4 complex, but worked with them directly. His reported task was to try to figure out how to reverse-engineer, or back-engineer, as he puts it, this alien propulsion system with known materials. The crafts themselves were made from some unknown material that we could not replicate. The best telling of the story I've heard is from the man himself on the Joe Rogan podcast. This was a pre-Spotify episode and is still available on YouTube, at least last I checked, if you want to get the whole story from the horse's mouth on there.
1: So, if Area 51 though is Gilligan's Island, he's the professor, basically. Oh, he's totally the professor right. from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. He's that, that kind of, of, of guy. Coconut out of yeah, totally radio that kind out of, of coconut guy. kind of guy. Okay. He,
0: he would have just like built some kind of new motor for that boat and gotten him off that island real quick. Nice. At 200 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> kind of hydro pump or something. Hydrofoil. But uh, anyhow, but. Bob Lazar reports that these alien crafts generated some sort of field unlike anything humans know how to make. When the craft was active, you couldn't touch it with your hand due to the field. It was like two light poles of a magnet, he says. It would just repel you away from it. So like if you went to touch it, it was like we're like like you, push you to away. push the wrong ends right. of the magnet together and right. can't do it. Yeah. Like That's what it was like trying to put your hand on this thing. And in these crafts... According to Mr. Lazar, there are no wires. Every piece of the craft is modular, not connected by any wires or external connector of any kind. As long as they are within appropriate proximity to each other, the different elements of the craft are able to function as a single unit. Total wireless technology. So it's like here. It's fields. Right. You see? Fields. That's what we've been talking about. The only explanation for a technology like this is field theory. To be able to really connect everything like that from its own source, just put it near it, and it goes. It's like advanced 3D printing. It's like... (laughs) 3D field printing. It's like way many generations past us on the Wi-Fi, Bluetooth thing. So all the components on the ships interact through fields. The ship is propelled by some sort of field. We don't know how to make it but we can at least conceive of how it generally works so taking bob lazar's story at face value we can see that this field propulsion is not only possible but may likely have been observed and researched by numerous government scientists and organizations if this is indeed the case these crafts collected by the government and studied by scientists like bob lazar running on some sort of generated field technology then we have to assume that these tic-tac crafts run on a similar field generating technology, right? And we have real reason to believe that these propulsion systems exist and that people have been directly exposed to them and not just the scientists. We're going to get more into that too. As we go, this brings us to a very recent development in this story. As far as things go on April 5th, 2022, the DOD honored a four-year-old FOIA request made by the British tabloid The Sun. This release of information contained more than 1,500 pages of records on Americans who have had encounters with UFOs UAPs. The following is from an article on LiveScience.com. According to The Sun, the cache of documents included reports on the biological effects of UFO sightings on humans. Studies on advanced technologies, such as invisibility cloaks, like the craft in the froth- frothing water with Correct. the tic-tac, right. Right? and plans for deep space exploration and colonization. Some portions of the documents were withheld in part, quote-unquote, for privacy and confidentiality concerns. One standout document from the collection is a report titled, Anomalous Acute and Subacute Field Effects on Human and Biological Tissues, dated March 2010. The report describes alleged injuries to, quote, human observers by anomalous advanced aerospace systems, some of which may be a, quote, threat to United States interests. The report describes 42 cases from medical files and 300 unpublished cases where humans sustained injuries after alleged encounters with anomalous vehicles, which include UFOs. In some cases, humans showed burn injuries or other conditions related to electromagnetic radiation. So there's half of our equation the electromagnetic and the gravitational some of them appearing to have been inflicted by, quote, energy-related propulsion systems, unquote. The report also noted cases of brain damage, nerve damage, heart palpitations, and headaches related to anomalous
1: vehicle encounters. If you or a loved one been exposed to UAP, you may be eligible for (laughs) a cash reward. Yeah. If more of this keeps coming out, we might be seeing
0: those commercials on daytime TV. But uh, you know what? That kind of reminds me of those symptoms right there. Brain damage, nerve damage, heart palpitations, headaches. Kind of reminiscent of the whole Havana syndrome. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, it was uh And they think it might be some sort of weird beam that they're using if it is some sort of weapon. But I'm actually putting together an episode on that that's going to come up in the not too distant
1: future here. Yeah, it's it's it it's it sounds like they're practicing that stuff i mean ultimately the havana syndrome was blamed on on the united states though right i mean is, don't well they think it's there's the military? a lot of different angles
0: on that that's why i actually uh had that thought while i was writing this and it made me start writing one for that
1: then you don't and want it, to tell? it turned
0: into a pretty long episode actually it's going to be like a episode and a half long episode i think
1: nice but it's an area i mean the 5G is the same kind of thing. If you, you start some two new technology somewhere, right. you don't know what the effects are going to be on folks. And was this targeted and, and a weapon that they were using on civilians in Havana? Or was it just some stuff they were working on? Is it, again, is Some stuff- theories are uh, if they were like spraying insecticides in the
0: area using weird chemical cleaners in the compound or something like that, like some kind of chemical reaction that they was unintended. But now we can um, add if they have UFO parts or UAP parts. Yeah. The there are different theories, and there's a lot of argument over it. It goes back and forth all the time over what it is, what it isn't, what it could be, what it couldn't be.
1: So don't use Roundup. Use UAPs to get rid of the weeds <laughs> on your lawn. It's much safer.
0: It probably is. <laughs> <laughs> After those lawsuits, it probably is. Oh, boy. But anywho, let me finish this last bit of this article. The report also includes a list of alleged biological effects of UFO sightings on human observers between 1873 and 1994. So this is not just in the days of us having these technologies ourselves. All right. Compiled by the Mutual UFO Network, uh, MUFON, a civilian non-profit group that studies reported UFO sightings. The reported effects of UFO encounters include unaccounted-for pregnancy, apparent abduction, paralysis, and experiences of perceived telepathy, teleportation, and levitation. It's quite the spectrum. The unaccounted-for pregnancy, I think, is
1: the by far the creepiest part of that. It ties into all the... Alien human hybrid yeah, stuff. Yeah, where else are we going to get our star children, right? And we got to find the next Messiah somewhere. Oh boy, now we're going down a different <laughs> hole. Well, I'm just saying we're going
0: down gravity hole on this one. <laughs> Anywho, and uh, here is where the thought experiment portion of this saga actually really begins. Let's take this theory of gravity propulsion, right? We've I've laid the foundation. I've given you the history, right pretty sure it exists the Navy's working on stuff we supposedly have stuff to reverse engineer from we got our foundation here's where we really start the thought experiment let's take this theory of gravity propulsion or field propulsion or what have you and apply it to a specific situation okay say you wanted to move a large object using this technology but the object itself is already existing And isn't properly outfitted to be a drive-driven craft on its own. What would you do?
1: Well, you get hundreds of Egyptians, and then you get those (laughs) those Anubis-headed dudes with those, you know, ropes and pulleys, ropes and pulleys, weapons, and just or ropes and pulleys or that, yeah. So, yeah, that's what how I I would do it. I am old school, you know. I'm going to just go back old school. That's pretty old school.
0: We'll, we'll get <laughs> yeah, we'll get into sorry. that later on somewhere in this podcast, too, yeah. I'm sure. Anubis, yes. I don't have a plan for it yet, but that'll come up sometime if we keep going long enough. Patreon.com slash Monster Lore Tour. There you go. Anyway, here's my concept. This is my own thought experiment, not quoting from anything anymore, so if you want to compliment me on my genius or comment on how full of crap I am, please email us at tour at gmail.com. Or put it in the comments wherever you're listening to this or whatever's best for you. Anyway, let's put this in terms we can all understand and relate it to the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've all seen the Avengers, I'm assuming, in this crowd. Say you wanted to use this theory to build yourself a sort of Iron Man suit. If you were able to figure out the proper interactions of these fields, essentially you would be working with something similar to the positive and negative charges. You get in the magnets and the batteries kind of thing. So to make the propulsion work in the case of a non craft larger object, you would put one of the field generators on your suit, which would be the larger body in this case, obviously in the form of pods, maybe set up like a web pattern. You know, when they put people into
1: video games, are you doing pods, Tic Tacs? Is that what you're doing? i doing what? Like the pods or the Tic Tacs? The nodes? Yes. Yes. The Tic Tac's going
0: to be like that. Yeah. But uh, picture like, you know when they do the video games? Have you seen when they put the guys in front of the green screen with the thing on? It looks like all the light bulbs. Yeah. Kind of like that. The light bulbs are field generators. Okay. <laughs> this is what I'm getting at. Then you would have a surrounding fleet of smaller field generating craft all the field generators able to switch between positive negative fields and in this way the smaller surrounding crafts are actually what steers you around by pulling and pushing you in whatever direction So they're
1: the tic tacs
0: okay so in this way the smaller surrounding crafts actually what steers you by pulling or pushing you in whatever direction your suit needs to go the ability to switch between the positive and negative fields allows the smaller craft steer the larger craft, as well as themselves, even each other. So it's all like kind of this one mind, everything moves, everything around. Right. Right? Field. Yeah, field, exactly. Field driven. And this leads me back to the question that led me to do this deep dive into the deep end of insanity. What the hell was that in the water? See, you're, you're calling it the Tic Tac is like the thing the that steers are, the Iron Man suit, right?
1: So which one's Godzilla and which one's the UFO? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Right. So the, the things were re-interact. Intera- yeah. So it was, you think it's
0: f- field. Some sort of craft rose up from beneath the water to rendezvous with the smaller Tic Tac craft, right?
1: And there was multiple... Tic but they were in the air, and there was only one interacting with the right. thing in the water. So it wasn't right. like they were surrounding this thing.
0: Right. But it came down and had some kind of up close. Right. Now, if it had likely, gotten out,
1: maybe yeah. the other ones were going to yeah. surround it. Is that where you're going with this? Well, I'm,
0: let me let me continue here. I'm going to get back to my notes. It was very likely it was communicating in some way with this craft. So what was it? What was it doing there? I do have a theory but to put it together, I do need to put a more a couple more pieces all in right. the puzzle. Okay? okay, but you're on track with me. You are like okay. you're doing good for where we're at. Tick for tack. I'll i am give yeah. it a little bit away. But the tick tack is the thing that steers the Iron Man suit. And the Iron Man suit is the Earth. Yeah, I was just. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Giving right. it away a little bit, but stick with me, and we're gonna make right. this so all. So you're, you're getting sense. bigger. Just just to it's keep bigger. just to keep you in right. it with me, I'm gonna give you that. All right. So let me begin by repeating what Commander David Fravor, winner of the double Mad Cujo's award at the beginning of the episode, said. Look at it for two reasons. One is there's a capability. We can't explain it. Number two is if you can explain it, then you can literally change everything that we do.
1: You can literally change
0: everything, everything that we, we do, do, okay? Okay. It is, now,
1: it is 3D printing. I, I knew it was going to come back.
0: Yeah, too. right. But here's where we really get into the connecting pieces of the experiment. We're now going to get into the story I saw reported rather recently in the world of physics. This might take a minute. Stay with me, and we're going to tie it all together. And now would like to present you with a couple of maybe seemingly unrelated headlines. The first is from newscientist.com. Published May 12th, 2023.
1: Boy trapped in a refrigerator eats own foot. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm
0: That's sorry. a 2023 kind of story it, right there. It's though. from
1: Airplane. I just
0: sometimes I abram Zucker and Zucker when I shouldn't. No, this, this is actually titled Chaotically Shifting Planets Could Be a Sign of Advanced Aliens. I'm going to have you read this one, Moz. All right.
1: Oh, I, I think I, I think I got Do you this. Have that? I think Kay. I got it. Good. So, Go with it. planets that orbit at very similar distances from their stars could jockey for position while still remaining in a broadly stable configuration for billions of years, long enough to be spotted by astronomers. Such star systems might be so unlikely that they could only be created artificially by advanced alien civilizations. Ooh. In this headline
0: from NewScientist.com, published May 9th 2022, titled, Aliens Could Say Hello by Arranging Planets in Prime Number Pattern.
1: What would be the best way for an advanced alien civilization to make its presence known across the galaxy? It might be to make the planets and its star system dance in mathematical sequence. Many searches for intelligent life have been conducted to date such as looking for radio signals or even megastructures surrounding stars. But the results from these can be ambiguous and have potential natural explanations. That is why Sean Raymond at the University of Bordeaux, France, and his colleagues have proposed we could look for planets orbiting in specific patterns that could have only arisen artificially. Their idea is that a sufficiently advanced civilization could alter the orbits of planets in its solar system to act as a beacon of its existence to an outside observer. Over thousands of years, the gravitational pull of asteroids could be used to slowly move planets into a different position, making them have complete orbits relative to each other in a particular set ratio or resonance. In theory, it's totally doable, says Raymond. The team suggests aliens could arrange their planets in sequence that are unlikely to form naturally, such as prime number sequence, 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, and so on or a third of a minute, light reaching the sun. No, sorry. (laughs) Or the the Fibonacci sequence, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, and so on. Simulating these orbits, the researchers found they could last for 20 billion years before falling out of resonance, even surviving the death of the host star. That's a long time.
0: 20 billion years, that's a message that would last a long time. You know, it
1: reminds me of like... 48 hours ago there was a news of like the Milky Way has this these filaments that seem to be in a sequential pattern at the near and around really near and around the, the black hole at the center of the galaxy theres these filaments they just discovered, now, now you get an idea of when and we recorded in some kind this. Of mathematical sequence. It seems like it, yeah. But th- 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 this wow. is more about an orbiting planet and, and letting people know. But this right, is on a bigger scale. Order. This is a bigger. This is like someone's like, ah, screw that little planetary yeah, shit. I'm that, gonna, I want to paint a big canvas. <laughs> yeah, galactic level <laughs> canvas. Yeah.
0: So but anyway, uh, it seems as though scientists are a little caught up the past few years over aliens being able to manipulate whole star systems worth of planets moving bodies around with enough precision to change and determine the orbits of all the celestial bodies within the system. And That brings us to where this whole thought experiment started and what's going to tie this all together. The following is from an article on ScienceAlert.com with the headline, Interstellar Travel Could Be Possible Even Without Spaceships, Scientist Says. The author of a new research article in the International Journal of Astrobiology says the extraterrestrial civilizations, ETCs, for the remainder, could use free-floating planets, also known as rogue planets, as spacecraft. The article is, Migrating Extraterrestrial Civilizations and Interstellar Colonization, Implications for SETI and SETA. The author is, Irina Romanovskaya, Romanovskaya,
1: Romanovskaya. Yes. She dated Boris Badenoff. I remember her. Yeah.
0: Uh, Irina Romanovskaya is a professor of physics and ast. Here comes the helicopter again.
1: Do-do-do-do. Irina
0: Romanovskaya is a professor of physics and astronomy at Houston Community College. Romanovskaya writes, I propose that extraterrestrial civilizations may use free-floating planets as interstellar transportation to reach, explore, and colonize planetary systems. Free-floating planets can provide constant surface gravity, large amounts of space and resources. Free-floating planets with surface and subsurface oceans can provide water as a consumable resource and for protection from space radiation. An advanced civilization could also engineer the planet for an even greater advantage by steering it and developing energy sources. Romanovskaya suggests that if we're on the verge of using controlled fusion, then advanced civilizations might already be using it.
1: Yeah, but what kind of gas mileage is this really gonna get? <laughs> Come on, it's big. Which could
0: charge which could change a frigid rogue planet into something that could support life with sufficient lead time they could adapt the planet to their needs for example by building underground or under ocean or under ocean mm. shelters and other infrastructure maybe with adequate technology they could alter or create an atmosphere
1: so interplanetary under ocean
0: interstellar interstellar i mean yeah but they build stuff under the ocean to protect them from the radiation of deep space and gotcha. things like that okay in this way, the parent civilization may create unique and autonomous daughter civilizations inhabiting different planets, moons, or regions of space in the form of its colonies and planetary systems. This applies to both biological and post biological species. Johnny planet seed. Are you familiar with post biological species?
1: Um they're dead. When you, when you become like pure energy, you move beyond the biological and just exist as a thought form. Covered in a couple of Star Trek episodes. We'll get
0: into that, I'm sure, at some point <laughs> with me on this podcast. But, anywho, so what am I getting at here, Moz? What is my ultimate theory on this that I believe way too much right now? Well, what am I thinking, Moz? Um, you were figuring it out. The Iron Man suit thing, the tic tac in the earth is like the pods in the Iron Man suit. So what We're, we're seeing, talking about planets being used as interstellar spacecraft. Right. Moved around solar systems purposefully so, to set it up for life to flourish and send messages and whatnot.
1: Right, but the UFOs, if they got us here that way, yeah. what are they doing now? Oh, well, so there was something under the ocean.
0: Well, the theory I'm working at here is the Earth itself is a the spaceship. spaceship. Right. That's what I'm trying to lock in at the moment. We're going to get into what they're doing here and stuff. Okay. But
1: an advance It's a of lot to tie together in my small brain. In that little bitty... That little bitty mob little brain bitty there. Little bitty head that you have can't hold all that much brain. No, it can't. I don't know. That's why he lives in a cave. That's why I got the photon question wrong. Photon? Oh, yeah. Eight and a third minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the least scientific I'm asking way you could Siri,
1: put that. I'll see your juggle, and I'll raise you Siri on this one. <laughs>
0: Anywho, I keep saying I'm going to tie it together. I'm going to do it right now. So the Earth itself is a spaceship. An advanced civilization from across the galaxy, possibly even another galaxy entirely, we don't really know at this point, right, used the Earth as an interstellar craft and journeyed here to our solar system, placed the Earth in orbit around the sun. Then they seeded the planet with life, sparking the evolutionary process that led to our very existence. We spend so much time as a society hypothesizing about and looking for proof of alien life. But what if we are the aliens? What if we are the result of an experiment conducted by a hyper-advanced alien civilization that put the Earth and everything upon it here on purpose? What if they had a good reason for putting us here?
1: As part of this is the ancient alien, you know, premise in the beginning yeah. of the show. Not yeah. all of it. What are you talking about with that? The, the ship itself was the planet that was parked here.
0: Is that ancient aliens? They, have they done the Earth as uh, a spaceship? No,
1: uh, that, except that part. The rest of it is oh. yeah. We we you know how, did they ever leave? Are we part of them? Is it? Are we hybrids? You right, know, that right. component of it but i don't think they go so far but as to But the earth
0: itself wasn't even here to begin with they actually brought it brought here it here and put it in place to become the life-bearing place that it
1: became I've heard that with the moon to some degree
0: Well if the earth was in that case then of course the moon came with it right it would have to be built to do the stuff that it does to support the life that it supports I'm not so sure We'll get into that later on no, down the
1: road No No, I'm going to I'm going to call you out on this. Like okay. when people travel yeah. they want their luggage to match Right, the Earth and the Moon don't look anything like like each other. So you'd think if they were going together, they'd kind they are of made match. out
0: of the same stuff, though. By the colors. oxygen signatures and the the carbon dating and stuff they ag- they actually aesthetics.
1: are they they were created
0: in the same frame of time in the same place because the material does match that much.
1: But the colors, I would never travel interstellarly with those with that combo together. Like you 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 try to match that a little bit better. All I'm saying. From an well,
0: one thing you could do, I am going to talk about the moon a lot more later when we get into the alien probes
1: thing. Jeremy's still really serious, and I just made a ridiculous... No, on. I'm going to give
0: you something for this, because the real thing is is that the moon, because it is made of the same stuff as the Earth, Earth's crust, basically, it, the Earth could have had way more crustal material, and then when they got here, they shaved off what they needed to make the moon and create the oceans and the waterways and whatnot. So they like brought all the raw material in one ball and then created the moon from it. How's that for a theory? That's,
1: it's, 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 uh, I have to admit I haven't heard that.
0: I haven't either. (laughs) I just made it up. That's pretty good though.
1: It's just extra. And it
0: will line up with things we get into later, but that's definitely a, a later episode. So if we... Get back to our whole thing with the, the tic-tac steering. The tic-tacs or the steer little pods that steer the earth around like the Iron Man suit. I keep coming back to that vessel rising up from the water. Could that be a field generator that's based on the bottom of the ocean? And that's what you know actually makes it move because on the suit, the earth didn't have that capability to begin with so they had to put these in, right? They had to right. put in a web of these around the globe so that it could be pushed and pulled from
1: all the different angles. Right, and since this is already where it is, maybe they were just coming back and getting some of their old equipment. Right. Like they needed this for their next mission. Right. So if
0: this is the case, it begs another question. Is there an advanced civilization at the bottom of the ocean that flew our planet here from another region of space entirely and placed it
1: in this perfect orbit for supporting life for us? The Goldilocks zone, yeah. Yeah. So it was parked here. It was driven here. It was parked yeah. here. The moon was parked here. I dropped my tree. Oh, that's uh, bad. That's the Axis Mundi. I'm talking you with my really, hands. He just dropped the life that's tree supposed to be up here. off of the table. Hold so on, we were bad. totally disoriented for a while there and had no bearings. Our, cosmo- our cosmological world collapsed. Okay, we're better now. This is like if the great Atuan, the turtle, it's just... <laughs> fell off the pillars and we all just slid into the abyss right. that just happened and no one noticed yeah. oh i mean maybe they did because it was a crash <laughs> oh boy but it's okay i mean we have to regroup like that's never okay. happened the Axis monday just i'm gonna regroup
0: on this episode right now okay so what would this look like i figure you would need a number of these field generators you know spread out in the strategic web probably Modes one everywhere. one at each pole right at least. And if you look at our magnetic field, the, it, it kind of comes out of the South Pole and into the North Pole, right? Mm-hmm. So it uh, kind of feeds into the whole flow of things like that. But one at each pole, and then a web like network around the globe. So a bunch of them are going to be at the bottom of the oceans, those are easy enough to hide. But some of them are going to have to be on land. So where would you hide something like that? Maybe underneath a giant stone pyramid? There you go. Something like that? And they're maybe, equidistant? I maybe mean, mark a... it with a circle of stone monoliths of some kind.
1: So you're tying this into like ley lines and energy lines yes. and existing this would actually.
0: this could actually explain why the ley lines are there. These make the energy flow that way. Right. This is the web that creates those lines. Dang. Just spitballing here.
1: No, I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> it, it's, it's just crazy enough to get us all killed.
0: Right. What What's the uh, quote? I forget who said it, but uh, a, a big scientist said, uh, yes, your, your theory is crazy, but it's not nearly crazy enough to be true. Because like reality is always stranger than we can yeah. even conceive of if we really figure it out. But anyway, so we got these things, you know, under the pyramids, under Stonehenge, at the bottom of the ocean, blah, blah, blah. Then you would need that fleet of smaller support craft these to ma- tug boats, maintain yeah. and the field. whole flow and yeah. the movement and, you know, make minor adjustments here and there maybe. That would be the tic-tacs. The,
1: the field propulsion t- tugboats, basically.
0: Right. Well, we're, I'm going to go back and requote something from episode one here from uh, the Roosevelt Group. They did at times get visual verification of some of the crafts and an astonishing number of radar contacts were enough to raise a lot of people's concerns. And we heard how they were seed like a whole fleet of these things at once up in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So we see here that Tic Tac was not a lone craft by any means, but that there seemed to be whole fleets around all the time. Like they see them daily. So here, through the lens of the thought experiment we're doing, The fleet of smaller craft are steering the larger mothership, okay? And I do want to make another note. I'm going to have you read your next one here in a second, Moz. These aren't unique to just the Nimitz and the Roosevelt either, or or even just the U.S. military. These crafts have been spotted in all kinds of places around the globe. As an example, the most recent story I found on one of these sightings is from June of 2021. It took place in the U.K., The New York Post ran an article on this story on June 19th,
1: 2021. Do you have that, Moss? I do. The UFO resembling a white Tic Tac spotted in 2004 by former U.S. Navy pilot Commander David Fravor while on duty at the USS Nimitz is back. But this time it's floating over England. Pictures of the notorious UFO were snapped by Lucy Jane Castle from Hinkley in Southwest Licenshire who managed to grab a snap of the unexplained object and posted it on a UFO hunter's Facebook page, which was found by the Daily Star. It was hovering for a while, and within a blink of an eye, it had gone, Castle said. Never seen anything like this before in that shape. Quickly took a picture while it was very still, and within a blink of an eye, it disappeared. Dan Watson, a fellow of the private UK UFO sightings group then posted a pic of two similar objects he claims to have seen over Swindon last year, and a man called Terry Moore noted, Sightings have increased massively. From what I've heard, U.S. military had 6,000 sightings last year alone. So either we're being visited, or someone has some new tech.
0: And uh, just to put that in perspective, 6,000 sightings in a year is over 16 sightings a day.
1: Yeah, I wonder what like the whole MUFON library is. Like We've got to be getting some massive catch up. <laughs> yeah, and there's
0: NASA's getting into the game now of collecting and using this information, things like that, too. I actually have, a, I believe that's a follow up for one of my coming episodes, one of our members' side trail excursions in nice. the members' area at patreon.com slash monsterloretour. So, anyway, we see there's hopefully to these things out there the U.S. military, and as we are learning more and more all the time. The other militaries of the world are seeing these things on a very regular basis and very notable numbers. So at this point you're asking, but if these field generating stations are positioned (laughs) all around the globe, why aren't we aware of them? We would have found something by now, right? But let's look at it this way. We have seen one of these Tic Tac crafts meet up with some sort of craft from under the ocean. The pilot saw it directly, described it as a cross-shaped craft approximately the size of a 737 from what they could see. The Tic Tac seemed to engage with it in some way, zigzagging around all crazy and everything, a totally different type of movement than it showed any other time, indicating maybe some sort of communication. It wouldn't think to dock with the other craft directly because the mindset of the tech, you know, no wires, no connection, you just need to get close enough. You know, if you put the stuff close enough together, all of a sudden it becomes active. So they would be, so these crafts would communicate or otherwise interact through their fields rather than direct connection. But these fields are totally unknown to us. They work based on formula that we have yet to discover or come close to understanding. We don't know how to look for them. The pilots saw this craft with their own eyes, but it wasn't showing up on sonar, any other sensing devices of the military at the time. So some sort of stealth technology would have to be at work. And of course there is. We're dealing with an alien technology so advanced they use whole planets as spaceships, you know? So of course they have these things. But what better place to hide such things than at the bottom of the ocean? Natural protection, minimal chance of discovery, and if they have to risk it, there's the cloaking. Lots of hyper-intelligent octopus friends to frolic with on holiday down there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
0: Sorry, that's... I feel like I just pulled a Moz. I'll yell at myself for that one later. And when necessity called for a land-based station, they could just bury it deep and mark its position with something like, "There's pyramids all over the planet." Right. You know, maybe they each have one of these things under it. Right. Maybe thought experiment. Yeah, maybe.
1: You know, you you are you you're thought experimenting, and you're just trying to tie in a lot of things. Yeah. It, It is interesting from a. I mean, you're just going, you, you say, "Say, go big or go home, you're going I'm big.
0: going big, baby, <laughs> and then I'm going home because I'm going to be tired. It's been a long day. We, our recording sessions are long.
1: But you, you definitely uh, are t- trying to tie everything into one crazy thought experiment.
0: And speaking of which, another factor to consider is Earth's hot molten core. I've another always thing I want to tie in. Yeah. As it says in the article, these alien races would most likely have fusion-generating power plants to power their mission through intergalactic space. What if instead of building a power plant, they just harnessed the power of the Earth's core? If they put stations at the bottom of the oceans, they could have access to the geothermal vents that put out superheated water at great depths, maybe even somehow utilize the power of underwater volcanoes. Gratuitous volcano reference for you there, Moz. This could solve both the problem of protection from radiation of deep space and the problem of power supply. If they were able to harness this power, but if they are able to build stations at such great depths and have field-generating propulsion systems, it seems like a no-brainer they would be able to do that, right? This is why they have nice
1: things. Have you tied in UAP sightings and volcanic eruptions? (laughs)
0: There is a connection. I'm not getting into it specifically in what I'm doing at this point, but there is a big connection between volcanic eruptions and UFO sightings. Have you heard any of that? Yeah.
1: I mean, there's a lot of pictures that show UFOs around volcanoes and and they might just be interested of, you know,
0: but yeah, there's a number of came
1: first, the chicken or the UFO, I guess. There's
0: a number of actually pretty good videos of volcanic eruptions with the just right. like the yeah. orby flying yeah. around just, UAP I've thing
1: seen, yeah more more than one volcano more than one UFO yeah. so there is a tie in there
0: on yeah. on some level that or at least some people will tell you there definitely is you know yep
1: but anywho are they... making a joke and I forgot it was true. I guess that's what <laughs>
0: happened there. See, that's when you know you're getting properly yeah. weird, is yeah. when your jokes are actually true. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, wait, that was supposed oh, to be yeah. funny. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> the weirder
0: gets just say I'm something not, weird. Just not, not letting about you to get away true. with that one, Boz. Not let weird. you get away with that one. But anywho, so they set up their stations under the ocean, maybe the poles, under the pyramids, blah blah blah. Launch their fleet to support tic-tacs, which start them off on the trajectory to a faraway, yet-to-be-researched little spiral-armed galaxy out on the edge of space. Must be a truly exciting moment for a society to launch a ship as majestic as Earth, don't you think? Far more impressive than that Freudian
1: rocket of Jeff Bezos, right? Mm-hmm. But if you break a champagne bottle, like, on a rock somewhere, it's kind of be yeah. anticlimactic.
0: Or like blowing up a Falcon Heavy. That's not nearly as
1: fun as launching an Earth well, maybe that's how the Grand Canyon was formed. It was someone breaking a giant champagne bottle on Earth when they they set it up.
0: Ooh, it's from the christening of the starship. Yeah,
1: like Mars has one. Mars. Oh, has so a, was a it la- was it
0: full of champagne when it started?
1: Maybe. I mean, you know, that'd, that'd be oh, broken, we're back broken to the, glass too. Though we're back to the 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 Mentos and the soda thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old trick, the mentos and the soda.
0: If you haven't tried it, try it. It's going to make a mess, though. Do it outside. Anywho, on the way through space, far away from any sun, the surface of the ocean and all the land water would deep freeze. But this access to the thermal vents in the bottom of the ocean connected to the Earth's superheated core... That would surely have a way to of boring a hole through the ice if necessary for rendezvous with the support craft, right? Mm-hmm. If they had to get closer to make the fields work or whatever. Then again, maybe they wouldn't have to because if their field-based the tech field was good base, enough, they go through the ice. They'd probably just get on either side of the ice and yeah. close enough, right? So as they travel through on their long stretch through deep space and in between star systems or even galaxies, the Tic Tacs would just do their thing, keeping the trajectory right and maintaining proper spin for the G-Force and whatnot. The guys on the mothership did their thing, keeping their equipment working and keeping their octopus companions entertained and all that. It would make some sense considering that the ice and their super advanced tech... I think maybe they brought the moon along with them as an outbuilding for the Tic Tac crews, maybe?
1: Well, that's what I said. I I think that's
0: maybe there's another angle on it, is it it could be a landing place for the the support crew that's outside the ice
1: oh yeah you have to put
0: the construction folks somewhere right right it was, it was like the 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 workers quarters yeah. yeah yeah you have to build that first the crew quarters for the the support craft
1: the, but, I, i've never heard that one either yeah <laughs> so i just got huh. i got to got there. So this is why I like that there. experiments you just come up yeah. with stuff <laughs> so so you it, just...
0: It's total spitball.
1: Yeah, there you go. Something's gonna we're, stick. We're, this the one is, thing this that is sticks, a giant ahu guano file, is what you're doing right now. The one
0: thing that really sticks and is really reality is those FOIA documents that pretty much show the US Navy is building some sort of field generator drive. Right. Field propulsion, real gravity drive kind of stuff they're working on, in the US Navy. That's real. That right. part's real. You can look up those documents. I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Well, it's real enough that they're they they have the funding to explore and test which is right. amazing in and of itself yeah
0: yeah true but this goes on until they reach the remote little galaxy of the milky way find a perfect orbital slot and slip into it around the sun's soul maybe maybe they even bumped mars out of the way to get things just right
1: well maybe when someone was parking another planet they were really bad and they crashed and outside the asteroid belt. Yeah, or maybe they had like to blow were two, it up to make the gravity what, right. Earth is like actually the second one. The first one is like is the asteroid Oh, built. that was the test drive? Some terrible yeah, driver. The, the test yeah. run,
0: they were like, oop, that was yeah. a little off. Let's try again. Yeah,
1: they didn't know how to parallel park, <laughs> and it got really ugly fast.
0: But anyway, once they park in orbit, they just have to melt the ice, get the fine details of the gravity and whatnot locked in. And the rest just kind of runs itself. New exotic vacation spot for all those folks back in the Horsehead Nebula or Alpha Centauri or whatever, wherever it may be. Or maybe just some sort of scientific laboratory. Or maybe it was a desperate escape from a dying sun that was threatening to destroy the planet orbiting it. As our sun will do at some far distant point in the future. We have way too much time to worry about that now,
1: but... That's how the Earth got Superman.
0: So, But when it comes time, if we are still here, will we ourselves have the technology to purposely launch the Earth from its orbit and ride it all the way to Proxima Centauri and establish a new home for our wandering world? What do you think? Will humans last long enough to see that day? And if so, would we be able to save ourselves in that I manner? I
1: think we're so ready to blow ourselves up, but it, it might throw us in a... Direction.
0: Well, I guess if we <laughs> set off a big enough bomb, it'll yeah. launch us out somewhere. Yeah, right?
1: that, that's good. Oh, that's a terrible Asteroid, thought. Thanks, Moz. Asteroid belt. I two. thought you
0: had no complaints. You're gonna make me have an extra shot of tequila with talk like dang,
1: that. Dang, dang, dang. No, yeah.
0: Anywho, let's have focus. we gotten
1: to the Alhucmano file? Because this sounds. Like oh, we're not even close, dude. Okay, this sounds like this thought experiment is b- approaching. Batshit. I
0: told you we were gonna get weird. I, I started really weird.
1: And it got weirder.
0: And But then I'm actually going to get a little more sane as I go through this arc with my... It, the alien probes is going to be actually more sane than the UAPs. There it's you go. Oh, it's going to get really weird again at the end of
1: that. Okay.
0: I, I fluctuate. I go up and down. It's like a sine wave where I go really weird, not so weird, really weird, not so weird. It's
1: like, you know, it's like anti-gravity. It's
0: yeah. Well, I took it easy on everybody with the Gloucester Sea Serpent for my first episode. Now I'm Now I'm showing you where I'm really going how weird I can be and then I'll ease back a little bit again.
1: All right. Now this is the two ends of the spectrum. You've shown us normal. Yes, I'm giving you the the two ends ends. and then I'm going to (laughs) merge back into the middle, you you know. The Goldilocks zone. Yeah,
0: I'm going to find the happy medium where people actually like me because they probably don't yet. it'll happen. But anyway, let's focus our thought experiment back on the present and the Earth's current port of birth. There is one more important question we need to ask. Where did they go? If a hyper-advanced alien civilization used our world as an interstellar spacecraft to bring us to this remote haven, where are they now?
1: Well, after you sell the place, you you I, can move on to selling other places. That's oh, true. They just sold
0: us. Yeah. That's mean. Yeah. I do see a few possible hypotheses for the enigma
1: that I actually wrote out here. So let's let's go through these one at a Does time. Does Hollow Earth come into this? Is the reptilian agenda next? <laughs> Well, I I kept kept
0: it a little more basic than that. I'm just, I'm going to do like the general angles that you could theorize on. So for one, they're still here, right? They're still here doing their thing at the bottom of the ocean out in space and just leaving us to our own in the middle here. Makes sense in a way they would definitely be so ridiculously more advanced than us. They would see us like we see animals, especially if we are just a side effect of evolution and not a purposefully created species.
1: That's beginning to make sense. Now you're talking. My yeah,
0: wife. yeah. But at worst, we're no more to them than rats are to us, I guess, right? So they're BF Skinner. We're rats on their ship. They're BF Skinner, and
1: we're. we're the rats. We're operant, con- being operant conditioned right now. Oh, there you a go.
0: Thought. At best, I figure we're maybe like dolphin status. We're like, you know how we
1: yeah but most, the dolphins most, leave first remember like in in oh, that's uh right yeah. in douglas, adams, douglas adams they take yeah. off into the space and it's no so long thanks for all the fish interesting point
0: but there's no way we match up with the venerable octopus anyway they're definitely smarter than us uh i doubted this theory at first looking at it from this angle it seems if they were still here they would have killed us off by now for ruining their luxury luxury resort with our dirty ass fossil fuel burning selves But then again, and this is a theory, I think Warren's contemplation, as this is a thought experiment, if you actually want to follow my lead on this, maybe they're the ones that got us using the stuff in the first place to terraform the surface for them before they relaunch for another trip across deep space. Dang. We're warming up the oceans, warming up the air. It's going to make it freeze a little different when they start heading out away from the sun and we're doing their bidding we're literally like creating our own demise but in a completely different way than anybody understands wow it's actually our alien overlords that are tricking us into it so I guess it is the reptilians
1: yeah it's reverse terraforming <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah kind of reverse terraforming they're getting it you ready know. to move. I mean for
1: them it's it's terraforming for us yeah, it's reverse maybe like
0: that carbon dioxide is, is fuel for them
1: as they go so it's like
0: oh maybe they're plant based yeah. Ooh, maybe it's the plants.
1: Yeah. The, we we smoke the plants. The plants make us do stuff. The plants. No, because they forward. breathe the CO2. Right. But I'm saying We're making more and more CO2. Yeah. It's a little shop of horrors I'm getting on too a galactic weird. scale. This is where you need to
0: pull me back, Moz. I'm getting you know, too weird for yeah, myself. Yeah, Let's I, move on to, to the second concept. <laughs> we are them.
1: Yeah. That That's an yeah. ancient alien concept. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: We got here, we got shop all set up, then something unexpected happened. It's hard to imagine what might outdo such an advanced race, but everyone makes mistakes, right? Maybe there was some big galactic-wide war sometime long long ago somewhere far, far away. Maybe some sort of cataclysm killed most of us off when we reverted to a more primal existence. Maybe it was a space-born virus of some kind even. Forgetting all of the wonderful things we used to know about how the universe worked and how to seed it with life. We just lost the knowledge. Maybe that is what is behind our psychological longing to constantly advance technology. What do you think of that? That we, our DNA knows that we used to know how to manipulate the universe, but it's all forgotten. And we have this drive to hurry up and recreate it. How's that for a theory,
1: Moz? Dang, so evolution is really not what it's cracked up to be. We're it, being driven. a totally
0: different thing. It exists, but it's a totally different thing than what we think it is.
1: Yeah, and it's not positive.
0: <laughs> no, this is all quite dark, actually, Dang. if you really start getting into it.
1: Yeah, now I'm going to need that other shot of tequila.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of episode. All right, one more. Number three, they left. They put the system on autopilot, grabbed another planet to go on another adventure or maybe they just went home, sadly forgetting some of their octopus companions when they departed. It is a terrible thing for those octopus left behind, though, I think. I really do. What a sad fate for them. But a hyper-advanced species that could teach us so much, and we are too primitive to be able to learn. Until my octopus teacher came out, I think we've started the process.
1: What if the uh, we're there, Australia... Like Alpha Centauri's Australia, and this is the penal colony for the the octopus. Who oh, we got memory mate. wiped, and they put us on the penal colony. No, the octopus <laughs> that are in our oceans. Oh, are the bad are the ones? the bad ones? This is their Australia. We're octopus and It's down, Australia. down under. It's down under. So the, the water. Earth. Oh,
0: wow! It's down under, mate.
1: He's green with me, so I don't even <laughs> know what I'm saying. I love and it. Jeremy's no, I love it.
0: I love it, and that. That's a great way to lead into this week's Ahul
1: Guano We've Theory of the Week. We've been doing Ahul Guano. This is the Ahul Guano Theory. <laughs> oh, no. Here it comes. Quick, to the bat shit signal. You can't double Ahul Guano right now, man. This no, has gone bat shit for a while. It's going to get a little bit
0: weirder. Okay, you ready?
1: I'm ready. I'm listening.
0: This is the theory that leads us to the piece de resistance. All right. The most Ahuli of guano theories encapsulated in this two-part thought experiment. You ready? Mm -hmm. I'm going to rehash the theory already established here, and then I'm going to bring it to its natural Ahuli conclusion. Here we go. The Earth was manufactured by a hyper-advanced alien society, placed here purposely, seated with all the life it contains, including us humans, and then left here to our own devices and the control system that runs on autopilot that we are unaware of to perform some specific task or function for that alien race. It resembles simulation theory, but instead of being a virtual computer program, we are a living, breathing, flesh and bone part of this larger living organic machine that was built for and intended purpose. Do you realize what this implies, Moz? Do you realize what this would mean if this is the conclusion
1: of our thought experiment? Douglas Adams was right? Douglas Adams was right. <laughs> <laughs> Slarty Bartfast
0: himself could have been piloting <laughs> the in that Tic man.
1: The Fjords. Oh, I love those. They truly award-winning the fjords. fjords, man. So I got, that's where you were going with this. Is that is down. my
0: ahul guano theory. <laughs> okay. That's as crazy as I could get with this. <laughs> Reality will never be the same, man. Arthur Dent lives. Oh. Vote Brock's Maz. Vote Beeblebrox. Vote Beeblebrox. Uh, You know I will. Yeah. Okay, let's again repeat what Commander David Fravor said at the end of that interview. If you can explain it, then you can literally change everything that we do. Well, we just explained it, Moz actually Douglas Adams explained it a long time ago, but it took us a long time to realize it, and now it's gonna change everything I do because my reality will never be the same.
1: That's what the F- favor said it would change everything we will do, yeah, is douglas Adams he will douglas change Adams. everything we will do he <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, has for me he's been a, he's been an impact he's a role model
0: but anywho, okay, I'm done getting down the. Weird.
1: Well, I'm glad I, I, I got that right at least. So. You did, you got
0: it. And it was oh. it's funny that you mentioned them a little early too. That was Yeah, great. the dolphins. That was great. <laughs> I did put in some leading hints as to what? the Where Douglas Adams thing. There were a few things in there that were almost kind of quotes from hitchhikers. Oh really. Subtle. I put in subtle hints and okay. the dolphins was part of that. The mention okay. of dolphins was purposeful yeah, for that.
1: But that because they left the planet just yeah. before it got bad. Yeah. Okay.
0: So that's my first thought experiment. got really weird. Any questions, comments, complaints, or salutations, uh, send them to monsterloretor at gmail.com. Okay, before we get into our other closing segments here, Maz, do you want to add or ask or comment anything?
1: Well, you you tied in every crazy theory known to me. Like, you know... (laughs) And oh, I got a this, lot more than that, this, dude. This, that's only a drop in the this, bucket. But I, I know that some of the structure of some of your other episodes. Right. And they're, this one is. This, this one is as crazy this, as that. This is get. as crazy as you can. Yeah. Well, that's so, why I called
0: it a thought experiment. I usually try to bring you real facts for the most part and tell real stories as much as I can. Yeah. Try to be realistic with my theories. But this was just kind of playing with concepts and seeing where they led.
1: No. Yeah.
0: And it literally, like, I surprised myself when I got to Higuano, uh, and I was like, oh, my God, Douglas Adams is right. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, you know, like, it, I
0: surprised myself with that. But
1: you are taking something that's new in a way that we now know if it's if it's actually a thing, and you're just extrapolating. What could that right. possibly mean? Right, and, the, and it is limitless as to what this could possibly right. mean. Yeah, you I know, guess
0: I'm breaking... Wind. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not trying to get people to actually believe everything in this. I'm trying to break barriers, mm-hmm. expand the parameters of what people might conceive as being potentially real because we need to start doing that with stuff we're faced with right now. Humans need to expand
1: their reality a little bit, yeah, you know Take we can step into the dark into the yeah into the abyss, yeah, you're trying to bend time and space around yourself
0: we need we need to touch the monolith as. Arthur
1: Clarke might say. Yeah. We need to be a bunch of monkeys, and then we start. No, wait. I went Mel Brooks totally in my mind with that. We don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Don't go there. Uh, For the three of you that went there, I apologize (laughs) right now. Oh, boy. Get that vision out of your head.
0: All right, let's move on into our closing segments then before this gets any worse. Let's start with our Sir Richard Scully Muggle skeptics review. You're, you're, you're full of crap, and that's the nicest thing that I can say. Okay, so what would Sir Richard Scully Muggle say about these UAPs
1: and Earth being a spaceship? I, I have one thing I want to say, and I, I wish off the top of my head I knew there's a TED Talk Okay. with a recently within the last few years okay. of a woman who's trying to make a kind of a Dawkinsy argument a materialistic you know why do why are people so deluded this is a, a student of Pinker and Dawkins who's just trying to say why do we go down all these rabbit holes that you just went sure. why do people believe all that but she used the example she could have used anything that was mentioned in this episode and, and probably would have worked. She used just the concept of the UFO, UAP, as the example of why do people even believe this stuff?
0: Well, it's been confirmed that they're somehow real. The military believes it. The government believes it. They're showing saying, videos of it. She's saying, as
1: an example of delusion, why are people so easily deluded? She wow. uses the example of UFOs. Bad like, example. Bad, and, and, and the cusp of all this stuff coming out, like she only did this a few years ago. It's like, you could have done Chupacabra, yeah. anything? Yeah, bat squat. Let's do which something. is an upcoming episode,
0: by the way, bat squat. <laughs>
1: do anything? I'm going to stick a fun one the in there. But the thing that's about to come out that Mulder was right, and you know, and and again, Mulder was right. Mulder was right. Why? Why use that? And and yeah, you know, that's crazy. But it, it shows you where the mindset still is. Yeah. And it also, we were just talking about this on break there's so much going on right now on our planet and there's so many things coming out with AI and there's so many, so many headlines that are so hard to wrap your head around the implications that the UFO stuff does get sidelined because everything yeah. is like either, I don't know why people have just tuned out to everything going on, but it's also so hard don't to absorb. Up. Don't look up. Don't look up, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's mad, it's madness. Yeah, well mad, said, mad, man. mad, 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 mad world that was driven here by aliens <laughs> yeah. with a little Iron Man tugboat exactly. tic-tacs. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and this episode was so ridiculously mad in the end. I try to write like a real skeptic's view on these things, but it would take like a whole nother episode to go through it all because there's just so yeah. many ways to tear this apart honestly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the skeptics would have a lot of ammo on this one is basically what I'm getting at.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: But anywho, so Speaking of which, let's get to our own personal uh, where we stand with our Scully Mulder believability scale. They feel your methods, your theories are? Spooky? Do you think I'm spooky?
1: Wait, why am I Scully? So on what are we basing this? I'm actually going to do a few rounds on this.
0: Okay? Because there was so much stuff in here in, in two parts. I have a, a couple segments here. What did I do? I did three, three, three segments we're going to. Rate our believability on, okay? So the first question is: You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You want to go my first? Answer I'm first? ready. Okay.
1: I don't need you for this. So, my first
0: question is: Do you believe that field propulsion is a real and attainable form of travel? Theoretically. So that could potentially exist and that we could potentially achieve it?
1: Theoretically, like an eight or nine. I mean, it's there. It's That's where pretty strong. It's where we're moving. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to achieve it or attain it. I don't know. Get that $150,000 But you're, a,
0: you're an 8.5 <laughs> that we will someday have that as huge. I'm an 8 and a third. <laughs> wow. Great tie-in, Maz. And you really are still upset about the 8 and a third minute.
1: Well, thing. we bet a beer from your fridge That's yours. So Deny- I didn't I lose a lot. Except... No, you bought me a bottle of tequila, though. So. That's true. That's that,
0: right. That's better than a beer. Yeah. Good I tequila. Luna Zool. Luna Zool. Reposado tequila, everybody. Great deal. Great tequila. No, 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 no but dang, dang, for, dang, boom. Let me put it this way: for the, if you well, can I get it for the twenty-three bucks alone. that we got it for, it's a great tequila at yeah. that price. Great tequila. Yep. Anywho, back to the question: Do I believe that field propulsion is real and attainable? I actually wrote this down from my research, and particularly from the FOIA documents I found from the U.S. Navy that we've discussed a couple times and the FOIA documents obtained by the UK Sun that we talked about, I absolutely believe that field propulsion is a real and attainable form of propulsion. I give a big fat 10, not only to the concept, but the very likely existence of field propulsion systems and our witnessing of them. How else do you explain how these crafts are moving around? And we have it on video, like it's recorded, it's documented. So we're either there, and they haven't told us yet, or we're definitely on our way to achieving that, I think pretty soon we're going to reach this civilization filter where we either take a big step forward and become a Star Trek-like society or we just destroy ourselves and maybe some of us survive in caves somewhere and start over again. Yeah. Something to think about there.
1: Good good times. Yeah. This is a really
0: weird episode. <laughs> Number two, do you believe the Tic Tac and other observed craft, like the gimbal, to Go Fast and whatnot, all these new ones that are coming out? are actually field-driven craft of some kind.
1: See, that, it could be other things. It could be other things. It goes True. down to a, a, yeah. a five or six for me. It, it, it's one of the theories. Yeah, so I, don't, I,
0: I don't blame you for a five at all on that. Like, middle of the road, it's yeah. something, I don't know what it is, and they're also yeah. different. Who knows how they're working? So, yeah, a five is definitely a very legit answer to that. Um, I'm leaning a bit more towards believing it because I'm me. <laughs> And uh, I, I I can't be as adamant about it specifically as I am about the field propulsion, just kind of in general. But I'm going to give it like a seven.
1: Nice.
0: I'm pretty sure that's what's going on All
1: there. Right.
0: It. If you take Bob Lazar at his word, that's definitely what's
1: going on there. Almost. It's a good point. But like, that's it, if you take Bob Lazar if, at his but word. But it's also that's where he's directing it. Yeah.
0: 'Cause like I'd be a five, but I'm a five on him, He's but put the five with the five the and you get seven. Five plus five equals seven on my timeline now all of a sudden. There you go. Anywho, number three. Do you believe that the Earth is a spaceship?
1: The Douglas Adams <laughs> thing. I'm uh, gonna... Not
0: necessarily the Douglas Adams was right. That was the Ahul Guano. I don't ask anyone to believe that.
1: But, I'm still going to go you
0: think that the earth has actually been used as a spaceship.
1: I'm still going to channel Douglas. As, so on this scale of one to 10, I'm going with 42.
0: Why did that make sense? <laughs> 42 is a great answer to that. Cause it's a ridiculous <laughs> question. Uh, when I started out, I tried to put myself at a five, like we were saying middle of the road, don't believe or disbelieve just cause I was doing a thought experiment. Right. Once I wrote it all down and it, Culminated naturally at Douglas Adams was right. I fell down to a two. <laughs> yeah, there go. There Which go. might be my lowest rating yet. So That's, Forty and two. Yeah, I don't want to completely and utterly disbelieve it because I love the concept, but I can't get above a two. Yeah, I hard. give it just that little bit, so it's like yeah, so I can just still know. still philosophize about the concept. That's go. all I'm giving myself.
1: Well, sp- scientists have theorized this potential and now with field propulsion you're just saying how this could be part of the dealio so
0: right and my, my real take on the uaps that we're talking about here the ones that appear inexplicable by human standards like that is that they are actually some kind of alien probe right unmanned surveillance craft type stuff it does seem as though someone out there is watching this conclusion sparked my interest and resulted in my preparing that next big long alien probe saga that I'm going to get into after this. Um, I might have I might put something one in between, or I might just get into it. We'll see what happens.
1: This one is more grounded, though, in reality. Way more grounded. <laughs>
0: We're going to go into all the new stuff they're releasing and more historic stuff that's not quite so well known. Jason but just Momoa. Anything I could potentially maybe. Be, and we're going to get into interstellar interlopers, you know, mua mua stuff and like, but yes, much more factual. I'm not going to be totally ahul the whole way through. It's going to get really crazy at the end again. It
1: has to. That's what we, we but most to of it's it going to end. be much more factual. You were just, uh, you were precocious and you just started out there and got weirder as it went on. I
0: needed to see how we're very early on and I needed to see how I wrote podcasts. There you go. And I was just like, okay, let loose and see what comes out. I did a very standard one for the first one. I did a really weird one for the second one. And I'm going to, like we said, meet back in the middle.
1: There you go. Yeah. In the Goldilocks zone somewhere.
0: But anywho, so I, I do have a uh, what's turned into a five-parter coming up on Alien Probes. Before then, we got Maz, you know, of course, is going to be back in the rotation with his stuff and everything too. So we'll be mixing it up for you. But all right, let's finish off this episode with... uh. Probably our most controversial of closing segments Wolfman Puck's Cryptid Culinary Corner. Your entree, sir. Oh, it smells good. <laughs> so, tonight's secret ingredient is, of course, the tic tac craft. Let's see how our panel of experts will handle this one, Moz. You and me being in our panel of experts. You want to go first? You want me to go first? You're on. I'm on. All right, I did write something here. Let's see what I did. You know, I, I forgot my beer again. Anywho, so what would I do when presented with a Tic Tac for my culinary piece? I'm going to presume from the name that for some reason this inexplicable craft would have a fresh minty flavor. So I guess I would whip myself up a nice big batch of mint chutney with fresh cilantro, ginger, onion, Green chili peppers, garlic, lemon juice, and, of course, a ground-up chunk of the minty tic-tac. Nice. And mix it all into a big tub of coconut yogurt. Then bake up a batch of garlic naan and throw a bunch of tandoori lamb skewers on the grill. It would be a feast worthy of our alien overlords, man. <laughs> and now my mouth is watering thinking about mint and chutney. Nah. You want to get some Indian food after this, Mouse?
1: You know, I, I, I'm amazed you did find a way to use the mint, and i got to give you some credit oh, for Oh, and that. a uh,
0: flying horse lager with that, if you would, please.
1: Ooh, what is the... Do tell. What's the flying it's, it's horse It's Indian.
0: Lager? I get it when I get Indian food uh, at Indian restaurants.
1: All right. So because it's... Galactic, you could just pick any beer that you wanted. Yeah, is but this goes with the meal, though. Okay, so you're, you're a You don't
0: always need a fancy beer. You just need the one that
1: goes right. All right. It is easier for me because I'm, I'm talking about a cryptid somewhere, and then I find the beer near the cryptid. You're in a bigger right. scale, and you got to figure this it out. This is galactic level,
0: man. Maybe some Romulan wine or something, I guess, right? Romulan ale. Oh, yeah, it's the ale. <laughs> Sorry, I dropped Old the ball business. on that one. <laughs> That's what <laughs> you made me drink an extra shot of tequila. Is the problem? Is that, okay, well, that's and what now I'm, doing. I'm mixing up my ales and wines.
1: So here's what I'm doing, and and this is just the way it's going to go. I couldn't. You can't. I was thinking octopus because you have octopus. Don't eat an octopus, dude. Right? I'm not. I'm not. But those are the ones that were here that were left, and now we hate them because they are the. Oh, they're the criminals. They're the criminals. But no, we're not going to eat the octopus because the thank octopus you. teacher thank and stuff. Yes, thank you. But, and nowhere can you use mint anywhere. So I'm going to use those Tic Tac mints. I'm going to use them in the, in the not in the food. I'm going to use it to bring my food through field propulsion. And I'm just bringing a Peter Luger Ooh, floating, wonderful the, steak to the my. Plate's gonna the plate's going to table, float to the table. It's going to float to my table. Get whatever the, the heck I want. I'm going to get a big, nice, juicy steak. On a floating On a floating plate. thing with Tic Tacs. And when you're done, it just floats away. And then it just leaves. And uh, I, I didn't think of a beer or any of that, but now with Douglas Adams, I just have to serve that with a Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster. Oh, damn
0: it. You always beat me when you get to the drink.
1: <laughs> well, you, you, I was like, D- oh, Douglas I own this. Adams, he, he's got nothing you, on you, me, and you just pulled yo, out Pangalactic Galactic Douglas, Gargle Blaster. Well, that, yeah, that, that's what Douglas damn Adams it, Ma, drinks. You keep beating me at my own game here. You
0: know, Driving me nuts. (laughs) All right. Anywho, anything to uh, add, subtract, comment before I close this up here, Moss? No, I think we're good. All right, everybody. That does it for this episode, then. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on so you can keep track of the Monster Lore Tour as we roll along. We're going to record the uh, follow-up members-only side trail excursion for this episode now, which will be available only in our members area which you can find at our Patreon at patreon.com slash monster lore tour or through our website at monsterloretour.com. You can also get early access to future episodes and all other bonus materials we'll be coming up with in the future in the members area. So if you're interested, please check it out in the meantime and we will see you back here at the edge of nowhere for the next monster lore tour. Thanks again. Have a good one listener.
1: Could look for planets or biting, orbiting, or by or biting, or biting. Shut up. <laughs>